If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. If this is your first time tuning into the show, welcome to And Security for All. And for all of our regular viewers, welcome back. I hope everyone had a great week. It was a short week. I hope everyone had a wonderful 4th of July. Of course, with sadness, we want to send our condolences and prayers to the families of the horrific tragedy that happened in Chicago. There's really not a lot I can say that hasn't already been said about that horrible event. For those of you that may not know, I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events, and we put on cybersecurity conferences throughout the United States. We are always excited when um, we have our show in our hometown, St. Louis, and we have our big annual show next week in St. Louis. Um, we have um, some great speakers, some great CISOs from great local companies in St. Louis, like uh, Peabody Energy, First Bank, Stiefel Financial. Um, we have the CISO from the University of Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis, QuickBase, Hill and Brand, tons of St. Louis leaders, lots of education and networking in person again, which has been really nice. Check out our website at futureconevents.com or definitely message me if you'd like to come join us. And I want to let everyone out there know that all of our events run in a virtual mode. So if you would like to join any of our events, you can log in virtually. You just have to message us so we can get you logged in and um, registered. We are moving all over the country next week. We're at the week after that. We'll be in Indianapolis. Then we go to Kansas City, Houston, Phoenix, Chicago, San Diego, all kinds of great places all over North America. So stay in touch with us. We'd love to meet you all in person. Today, I have another great guest on the show. We're going to talk about several things today, but one of the things that um, I just met our guest and one of the things um, he talks about on his LinkedIn and what he does is help save lives with weapons detection. We all know our country is in this dire need of help. I'm anxious to find out his insight on where do we go next and how do we prevent this daily destruction of innocent citizens throughout our country. We're going to talk about applying AI to build efficient processes, allowing individuals and businesses to focus on what matters um, most. Today I have, and uh, we had some technical issues, so I wasn't able to talk to Christopher uh, pre-show, so I hope I have his name right. I have uh Christopher Chiabera, he can correct his name. He's an American businessman who is the co-founder and former chief technology officer of Revel Systems, which um, um, he started after they got their 50, their 500 million uh, evaluation. Um, he's done all kinds of great things. He provided uh, internet security services worldwide into the United States Department of Homeland Security. In 2008, he co-founded Athena Security Inc., which was created as a gun detection system to help save students' lives around the world from active shooter solutions. He also created Athena temperature checking systems and walk-through metal detectors to help keep people safe. Boy, do we need that everywhere. So um, welcome to the show, Christopher. So just to go back a little bit on the history, uh, in 2018, Athena Security was built with visual light gun detection. What that means is if a gun was out in your hand, we would detect it through a regular camera. This is when all the school shootings were happened, and we wanted to come up with products that could help uh, students stay safe and parents don't have to wear when you send your kids to school. Doing that, uh, we sold to schools and hospitals, and what they really wanted was a concealed weapons detection platform, which we just launched about four months ago, and you can kind of see it behind me right now. Uh, it's on two poles, uh, two black poles right there. You walk through them, and you can actually uh, detect concealed weapons uh, on your body or in a bag, and it doesn't go off if you have a cell phone or in the clouds. You get real-time alerts uh, through your security system to help keep school or patients so uh, that's what we're here to do thank you 
Well, that's pretty amazing. Um, you are cutting in and out a little bit, but um, first off, how do you say your last name? Oh, it's uh, Chibera. Oh, I was pretty close, so I wasn't too far off. So why doesn't every single school, I would think you are a highly sought after company. I mean, because it is, it's just, I'm glad my kids are grown and they're not in school anymore because it's just very, you know, but I have grandkids coming on the way and, you know, they're going to be in the same setting. So um, what is our country going to do? Sure. I think there's a lot of legislation going through right now and it's being passed to help schools finance equipment like this to help keep the kids safe. Uh, in the recent years, um, you know, schools either had a problem or don't have a problem. If they don't have a problem, they just did, you know, didn't do anything about it. If they do have a problem, you know, they, sometimes they have budgets and sometimes they don't have budgets, unfortunately, to put uh, security products in there. So really, we need the voice of the parents to tell the school board to get security solutions in these schools so these kids can stay safe. You know, the people have to speak or else, you know, it, it, it takes a lot longer to implement stuff like this if people don't speak up. So I was doing a little research and I was looking at some of your posts that you had put on LinkedIn in the past year. And I noticed, you know, you talked about things at airports and, you know, what, where do you think the airports and TSA are lacking as sure. so if, going, yeah, going through TSA, are we really that secure? Absolutely. So that's a really good point. So if you go to other countries, uh, if you travel a lot, you, you'll see you actually get scanned on the way into the airport again at TSA. And that's kind of like what we're lacking in this country, a pre-scan. And that's why I see this product a perfect fit because it, it can pass through people a lot faster than a TSA check that checks for everything, including, you know, drugs. So this, this type of scanner only check for weapons. It's a much faster scanner. You just walk right through. It's not going to detect you know, small items like cell phones, so you don't have to take everything out of your pockets and stuff. Uh, so that, that's what I think airports in the future in the U.S. need to be doing is a pre-scan to help protect people on the way into the airport. If you look at the incident that happened in Atlanta uh, about a year ago, you know, they were going in TSA. They had a weapon. Um, you know, the person shot and, 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 you know, in the airport, the gun went off and he got away. Um, so stuff preventing that kind of stuff from happening. If you have a pre-check going into the airport, that kind of stuff could have been prevented. What kind of, if, if we did have a pre-check going into the airport, I mean, it's already, you know, some of us who travel all the time are fortunate, you know, if you have TSA pre-check, which is not always that great or clear, which is not always that great, but what kind of backup? You know, do you think there is going to be legislative problems with, you know, legislation fighting? Look, it's already taking forever to get through security to put another defense of security on the airport. Um, what are we looking at? Sure. So like I said before, this system is a high volume type of system compared to TSA, where it's very slow. You have to take everything out of your pockets. This system, you just walk right through. You don't have to take stuff out of your pockets. So it shouldn't slow down the lines. It's just a matter of education and, and staffing the equipment. And that's something that obviously the state would have to do or each airport would have to do. Uh, TSA, from a uh, technology standpoint, you know, they're, they're only doing a scan at the TSA checkpoint. So if you want to get a checkpoint, a pre-scan, that's not ran by TSA. It's actually ran by the airport. So the actual airports would have to institute something like this. So tell us a little bit, bit about your background, your history, how you got into this, what you know, sure. what you were doing prior to this and the passion that led you sure down thing. the path. Yeah, so I started my entrepreneurial um, outlook when I was a kid in high school. I did, uh, you know, candy selling in, in school uh, that went into college. And then I started my first real company uh, called Revel Systems back in 2010. Uh, the iPad just came out and we wanted to make a better solution for restaurants and retailers because what was out there was really bad. Uh, we raised money right away. We raised over $100 million for Athena Security and I'm sorry, for Revel Systems. And then we sold that after we hit about a $500 million valuation to a PE firm. And then we were bored and all the kids were getting shot on TV. And we we're like, let's do something about that problem because why are people getting shot at schools? That's ridiculous. So we wanted to create a solution for that. And that's how we started uh, Athena Security. And, and again, how long has Athena Security been in business? Sure. So 2018 is when we started the company. The first product launched in 2018. COVID hit, of course. We launched a um, temperature scanner to help people stay safe 
going in hospitals and, and different types of entryways. And then all along, we always wanted to do concealed weapons because that's what all of our customers were asking us back in 2018 when we had the first product launch. Uh, so we were building that while COVID was happening. And we just launched that product a few months ago. So tell us about some of the um, great results that you're seeing that are helping, you know, individuals out there and what you could, you know, go to bed feeling proud of what you've done with this product you've developed. Absolutely. Just a few weeks ago, uh, a few months ago, one of our first clients uh, came up. They had an armed robbery at gunpoint. It was a jewelry store. They came to us and said, you know, we need the solution. Uh, we installed it and they found two weapons within the first two weeks of people entering that business after our solution went in. So, you know, that felt really good, you know, helping keep people safe. That's our mission, uh, save lives. And that's what we want to continue to do. So we're pretty new with this product. We're just getting into schools and hospitals with it, which is great because obviously there's a lot of shootings happening right now. It's being publicized. I don't know if you keep up with the press, but I mean, there's people going into emergency rooms when there's a gunshot uh, in the public, the other gang members come in, they have shootouts in emergency rooms. You know, that's some of the biggest problems with hospitals right now. And people are entering hospitals with weapons and that, that just needs to stop along with schools. Kids are coming in with weapons and being pulled on uh, in the classroom or in the cafeteria. Yeah, I was reading that post about the hospitals and yeah, I mean, I guess that's just something that, you know, not, we don't hear that. I, I tend to watch the news a lot, you know, yeah. and um, I, you, they're not telling those stories. So um, how do you, I mean, that's horrible. The, yeah, so we have a person that actually does webinars every week about the recent shootings and she posts all the different uh, strategies that could help prevent those types of shootings. And she goes into details. If you go to our website, just click on resources, webinars, you can see the uh, webinars that are each week and they're free to enter. And you can learn about all the recent shootings and what could be done uh, to prevent those types of shootings. And you know, it gives you more details of what's going on in the world. So are you guys, what are you doing on a government level? Are you working with les legislation and how are you spreading the word about what you all are doing? Sure. So we've contacted, you know, state representatives um, to help us get legislation out there to help get grants for these schools. Uh, that's kind of got on the fast track, obviously, with all the latest shootings. So that's really a big help. Obviously, this takes a long time. Grants are, are very uh, timely process. The so schools actually have to understand that they have options to get those grants and then they have to get awarded and then they can spend that money to institute uh, safety type of products out there. So what goes into the technology side as far as um, what your, you know, I, I don't exactly understand what, what your product does and how, you sure. know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. And there's a few options on the product. Uh, so these two poles, people will walk through. It's entryway security. So it's going to scan your system using active wave technologies, which means that it's going to be able to tell the difference of metals. So if you have, let's say, titanium in a hospital in your head or your leg from being uh, operated on, it's not going to go off. Right? You can tell the difference between those types of metals, which is great because you don't want the system going off and giving false positives and then holding up the line. So we can easily put those people through without having any problems being detected. It's also safe and uh, certified for pacemakers, any kind, of any kind of devices that are in your body where older types of systems might have affected uh, such a device. Our system does not, and it's been certified not to interfere with any type of uh, uh, devices in your system, which is great. Uh, again, we can also differentiate between a cell phone, your keys, an umbrella, all that. Uh, through these poles so you don't have to take anything out of your pockets and it goes really fast now at the same time as you're walking through there is an option to do a facial screening which means you know you fired somebody or you're at a hospital and you've had incidents before where people come in and, and cause problems well you can put them in this database and as they walk through your entryway you can also detect not only the metal if they have a weapon on them or if they shouldn't be in the hospital or they need to be escorted because they're a mental patient and you don't want them walking around causing problems. So that's an option. And then you, of course, the third thing is you can check their temperature. Uh, COVID might be over. It might not be over depending on how you look at it, but people coming into your building shouldn't be sick. You don't need to be getting other people sick. So a temperature scan is a great way to understand if someone might be sick with something. Uh, you don't want them in your building. So it also has that option and built into the platform. Well, that's really awesome. So what are your, what are you seeing that's 
competitive to what you all are doing right now? What else is Absolutely. out there? I know you don't want to really talk about your competitors, <laughs> but I'm fine. just curious about, you know, what, what is, we talk about so many different things on this show. This is the first for this kind of technology. Absolutely. There's other products out there. If you look at them, um, they don't do as good a job because they, they actually detect a magnetic field. And what that means is if there's no magnetic field around that object, it's going to get through. Right. So that's really bad because you can demagnetize a weapon. And now that weapon just got through the system. So there's a lot of pluses to our system compared to the other systems out there today. I won't mention names because I don't like to badmouth people. But um, always do your research before you buy a system. That is going to be the difference between a weapon getting through and not getting through. Um, you want to use a government issued AM7 test piece. Uh, if you're testing a system, you want to request that. Because if you don't want to use a real weapon, you can use what the government uses to test the metal detector, and that will show you why uh, that system doesn't work or, or does work, for that matter. You want to test the feet, uh, the waist, and the chest, high chest area, um, to make sure every single spot on the body will be uh, caught. Uh, a lot of people can put stuff underneath their hat, too, so you want to make sure people take off the hats and make sure there's nothing in the hat if they have one coming into your building. So do you have more problems with states that are, um, you know, not, you know, into that are allowing that maybe don't want guns in their states. So do they try to avoid these kind of technologies because they're already fighting against having, you know, guns in their states? Sure. I, I don't see that being a problem because every state has a law. If you don't want weapons in your building, even if you have a concealed and carry license, they're not allowed to come in your building. Right. It, it's, it's just the way the law is. And it's always going to be that way because you have the right uh, not to have weapons in your building. You own it. Um, now, saying that if it's concealed and, and you have a concealed and carry license out in the open, you, we're not we're not looking to prevent that. We're looking to prevent you from coming into a building. You shouldn't have a weapon uh, to cause problems in a school, in a hospital or your private residence or your business. Um, those types of areas, even though different states uh, have different laws, that's always a law. If you have representation on your doorway that says, do not bring firearms in my building, you don't have to worry about it. And the states don't conflict with that. Uh, even like Texas, where almost everybody has a weapon, uh, and we're headquartered in Austin, Texas. Uh, we have a lot of customers in Austin, Texas, and, and Houston, Texas, uh, that want a system like this. Well... I think maybe I asked my question too quickly because I was thinking more of states like New York and California where there's really not a lot of uh, prosecution or penalties for, you know, crimes that, you know, are more enforceable in different states. So how, so what happens? What, what is, you know, they find a gun going through. Do, do they really want to invest in this when they're, they're not even really punishing the crime that's happening in their city? Well, I mean, it will be punished. It's a felony to come into a building that demonstrates that you're not supposed to come into the building with that, a firearm and you still proceed to come in. Um, so it depends on the state, obviously, and what kind of um, charge it'll be. But I'm pretty sure most states, it's a felony. If you enter a building and you're told not to enter and you don't leave after you're told to leave, uh, you will be arrested no matter what state if you don't leave the premise. I guess I'm just basing this off of I happen to have a daughter that lives in New York City. So, you know, I watch a lot on what's going on in New York and the subways and, you know, people just on the streets with open, you know, they they have guns just out in the open, you know, shooting. So sure. hi, how are they going to battle what's going on in these? Kind sure. of so you, and, and San Francisco has kind of a similar thing going on as well. Sure. So New York in particular, you know, they, they came to us and they came to everybody where they said, here, here here's an RFP. Everyone submit your product. Um, they want to get rid of this problem on the subways and in the different buildings in New York City. And we did submit our product. It was a few months ago. Uh, we're still waiting to hear back what their decision is, who they're going with. Um, but they're definitely going to pick someone, it seems like, to protect um, in, in the subways. And they're going to have a really hard problem, though, because vibration is... Is one of the factors in a subway because when those subway cars go by, that's going to create a lot of vibration. I think that's what they're running into when they're testing different products. Um, it's, it's going to be a very challenging issue for them to, um, to fix, uh, depending on where they put these metal detectors. Because if you want to, to, to defend some people in a, in, a, in a subway, you're going to need to do it before you go down the steps, I think, uh, to actually make it work properly. So your product, if it was on the platform of the subway station, you're saying that it wouldn't be efficient to detect these weapons? 
Yeah, I don't think there's a product in the world that's going to work properly. If there's no train going by, it's going to work great and efficiently, right? But as soon as mm -hmm. that train goes by, if you're too close, that vibration. Um, yeah, I've been to New York many times, and there's a lot of vibration coming in with the wind. So you got to be far enough away from that train to, to post to not have a problem. So, I mean, in some stations, it's not going to be an issue. In other stations, there's not a lot of space. So you're going to need to put these systems um, before you enter the area where the trains are going by. So as long as there's enough space, the system's going to work. It's going to be no problem. If it's very close counters and some of those stations are very close, uh, it's going to be challenging to install such a device. So when you install these devices, I suspect then that you have to have security at those devices because if they go off, obviously somebody has to be there to apprehend the person. Sure, there's different things. Our platform has uh, you know, camera technology. So when the device goes off, your picture is taken, it's sent to the security officer. So you can have three or four of these systems set up and one officer there because they're going to get an alert on their phone or it's going to be alert on the screen depending on how they want to install it. Uh, and then help that individual. You can also institute a man trap. If you go into certain airports, let's say Austin, Texas, you go into the airport, they have a man trap there. On exiting the airport, you walk in, the doors close behind you, and then the new doors open in front of you. That's called a man trap. So you can put these poles inside of that man trap. So you walk in, the doors close behind you, you walk through. If you have something that has been detected, the doors don't open. You're stuck. The only way you can go is back. Um, so you have to wait for someone to help you get in or take stuff out of your pockets, rearrange it so it doesn't go off and then go through. We actually have a comment from uh, one of our guests. Okay. Um, Bob Welsh said, could your technology be used to detect guns and vehicles at a stoplight, for example? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, so the car's a lot of metal in the car, so uh, our, our system would go off in a car. Now, our technology can detect a weapon if it was in the open in a car. So if the person has the weapon in their hand and it's out, yes, we could detect that. But a concealed weapon uh, would not be possible in a car because the car is full of metal. It's just uh, so interesting to me because you think first and foremost that there'd be some huge billionaire somewhere that would want to donate a bunch of these to the schools. I mean, um, I feel like that should be where, – where do you think the first priority should be to the kids? Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Schools are number one. Hospitals are number two. And then everything else uh, following. But yeah, to, protecting the future is, is my number one. That's why we started the company, because all the kids were getting shot in the schools back in 2017, 2018, which made us start the company. So do you have some <laughs> currently? Are there currently some in place at schools? Sure. We're doing a lot of installs right now. So we just did a Lamar ISD in Houston. Uh, they, they did it for about a week testing and I'm in the process of uh, going forward with them. But we're new, so we don't have that many schools on board right now. And, you know, I imagine the schools don't have a big budget and how I would imagine something like this is not cheap. Yeah, and that's the problem, right? I mean, these, these, these technologies are new and they're very costly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is a problem for these schools with budgeting. Uh, getting them a, a grant would be great or some billionaire came along and said, here, please go ahead and put these on all the schools. That would be huge, obviously. Uh, get the word out to people that this needs to be fixed. And obviously the trouble schools needed to be first because there's a lot of those around the country uh, that should get protected first before all the other schools um, that don't have a lot of problems. Well, how do you know you're going to have a problem until the problem happens? Because most of these schools, you know, the problems have been in middle class, you know, to even upper class neighborhoods that you wouldn't expect that this would ever happen. So that's the scary thing is that I do think probably 95 percent of the schools think it's not going to happen to us. And we pray it doesn't. Sure. Where there's incidents and then each incident has to be recorded at every school. Uh, and then you could just tally up those incidents. And then the, the, the schools that have the most amount of incidents uh, should be the ones that first get the product um, instituted. What I mean by the incident, an incident is not necessarily a shooting, but a weapon coming into the school. That's an incident, right? Uh, it, it has to be recorded and it's filed away. You know, the government's alerted. So you can tally up all those types of incidents and see where all the problem schools are and then get a product like this in there. So is there anything that could have been done differently, say, for example, what happened in Chicago and just say what happened at the Boston Marathon, just different things when we're out in public, how are we going to, do you have any way to institute your technology for open outdoor Absolutely. events? So, you know, 
these are waterproof, so they can be put at entryways to events, uh, very large events like the Vegas shooting. That could have been prevented if they had proper metal detectors there and people walking through them, detecting if they have a weapon into these casinos. Um, so every entryway into a public space needs to be protected so we can you know, prevent people from carrying weapons into places they shouldn't and prevent these types of incidents from happening. What is the difference between going through your bars and then just going through just like you're at the courthouse and you have to empty sure. your pockets and they're going to pick something up? Is it just the, the courthouse just picking up metal? Yeah, sure. This is a really good point. Uh, so basically... A lot of institutions don't put in metal detectors because of time. And time is the one thing they want to get the participants into the event, into the building as fast as possible because time is money. And that's why a lot you don't see these deployed a lot of places because let's say a courthouse, like you're saying, they have a detector that detects everything. Wallets, you know, metal in your wallet, your cell phone, your keys. You have to pull everything out of your pockets, put it down. They have to wand you. If you go through, you go off. So it's a time-consuming uh, process. And that's why all the older metal detectors take up a lot of time. And what we have created... Uh, behind me is something that takes up one second. So you just walk right through. You don't take anything out of your pockets. And that's the real key here is you don't have to worry about uh, a timely process. Uh, now, there obviously is a problem. If someone does go off, then you have to take them over to a secondary scan and you have to scan them. And that's the point of a failure here is a lot of institutions don't want to staff such a process and don't want to take the time of getting their members into their events or their building uh, too slow, right? They, it needs to be fast. And that's the biggest problem here, deploying such technologies, manpower, costs, and time. Well, that could take us back to talking about applying AI, you know, into some of these situations, since staffing is such a huge issue in every single industry right now. What would be some examples that you could apply AI to help these situations out? Absolutely. So there's a lot of things where we're toying with, obviously, uh, going into tech detecting, let's say you're a TSA member or a clear member, we can put you through a different line if that were the case. Tie, tying into those types of databases would be a big help for us so we can know if you're a threat or non-threat. Uh, two, putting a man trap in. So a lot of organizations we're talking to, it's going to be a few month process, but they're going to redo their entryways. And what I mean by that is you need space to put a man trap. And what that means is Person's going to walk in, the doors are going to shut behind you, you're going to get scanned, you're going to badge in if you're at a facility where you have a badge or a ticket at an event, and then the doors are going to open and you're going to be allowed through without having to have a lot of manpower because the system is then, uh, you know, you don't need a person to, to deal with a lot of the problems. You can have less people. I wouldn't say no people, obviously, because you're still going to need someone to do a secondary screening if you can't find uh, the problem on a person that's going through the system. So it'll, you'll need less people if you have a man trap and facilities to uh, build such a thing uh, in your entryway. It kind of reminds me, one of my uh, employees, I know she's listening on the show, we were coming back from RSA and we were at the San Francisco airport and we were in a line that they did have an AI, I don't know if you've seen it out there, where if your bag goes through, if, if there was nobody there watching it, if your bag goes through, you know, it's either gonna go out and you get your bag or kind of like what you said, a man trap where it goes in the other side and it really just tied up that line so long. I mean, I think they just deployed it. But um, so I kind of was visioning that, like if you were going through a door, you're going to get stuck in that. You're either going to get to go through or what, just kind of be held captive and like a different sort of line. Is that what you're kind of referring to? Yeah. So what I envision is, let's say you have 10 of these lined up at your entryway. People are going through. You have you know, hundreds of people going through at a time. And let's say one person gets stuck. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to go back, empty out what, the, what their pockets are, and then go through again. Or you can have a representative meet them on the other side and take them to a secondary screening area where they can either scan them with a wand or pat them down, uh, same-sex pat down on, on that individual to see what they have on them. Yeah. So, but then you're just talking about a whole new technology because you're just building the bars. Somebody else has to build the, um, however you're going to make this man, man trap, trap, right? Correct. Correct. Well, there's technologies out there already that have man traps. We would just institute them, integrate them into our platform. It's an API integration. We've already done turnstile integrations or access control integrations where, you know, our system goes off and it locks the doors of the building or locks the elevator so they can't uh, go any farther. So we have those types of integrations. The products are out there. We just have to combine them 
But the real main thing here is space, right? Uh, institutions have to have enough space to implement these types of things. Um, and that's where a lot of people are, are going to have to make a decision and, and, and make their entryway bigger so they can institute such man traps. So they need less manpower um, and, and put these security solutions in place. But obviously that takes time. Now there are some buildings that have enough space. Uh, so that won't be a problem for some institutions, but it, it is a time consuming process. And everyone obviously is on the edge of their seats with all these shootings and everyone needs to be awake and, and, and understand what's happening and, and make that decision and make the move to actually purchase these types of systems. So going back to when you were talking about COVID's kind of over with, um, kind of have an interesting you know, example of where something like this could be you know, super helpful. Going back to my daughter that lives in New York, she works for a pretty large, pretty large um, company, which they have thousands and thousands of people in a huge building in New York. Somebody tested positive for COVID, so now they all went home. This just happened, and it's, um, you know, they have thousands of people working from home again. So if they would have prevented that one person from walking in the building, everyone would still be at work working. So, um, it's just interesting. I haven't heard of that happening. Are you seeing, you know, are people thinking, okay, we're done with COVID now. We don't need to have these temperature checks in our buildings. Sure. It, it depends on the state. Some states um, still use them. You know, I know in Texas and some of the hospitals that we're in, they still use them. It, it, it's a state by state process and it's a facility uh, concern and it's a, a people's you know, outlook on, on reality. Right. Um, I think temperature che checks should be everywhere, right? It doesn't matter if COVID's over or not. You don't want sick people coming into your building and getting other people sick. Uh, but like you said, uh, could it have prevented the problem? Not every time a COVID person will have a high temperature. I'd say 70 to 80% of the time, they will have a high temperature for a certain time span. Uh, my experience actually, because I had COVID a couple of times, I had a high temperature for about three days straight, but then it stopped. Um, but I still had COVID. So, you know, there's only a, a specific amount of time you're going to detect that temperature, but it's better than nothing. That's the way I look at it. And people need to understand that, hey, you shouldn't have sick people coming into your building, whether it's COVID or not COVID. Um, and that should be the end of it. And you, everyone should have that type of entryway security product in their facility. Um, and that's why we have it in ours, right? We have three different products in our entryway security uh, solution. Bob Welsh said he 100% uh, agrees. Jonathan Smith. Uh, Kimmet is just saying hi. He, he's a follower of the show. And Lena, my employee, she was with me on that little fun time we had waiting in security. We were through clear when they were testing this thing with the baggage and it took it took forever. We almost missed our flight because of it. So how is AI going back to AI? You know, um, I want to talk a little bit about that of what you are seeing out sure. there. And is it really building efficient processes or is it slowing things down because people are testing the waters in so many areas because they are trying to replace human beings? And, and no doubt they should, because right now we're having huge staffing issues that are causing all of us problems with flying, with traveling, with going to restaurants, with wait staff. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, AI is, is something that is new, you know, to the world. And, and it, it is automating a lot of processes. Will it get rid of people totally 100%? You know, I think we're far away from that happening, unfortunately, where AI can just take over um, and, and replace mankind. But, um, you know, as far as it helping, yes, it's going to take time for it to help. How does it work? You know, every single item in the world has to get a signature, right? A signature is how this AI, how AI products, understand what what an item is and that signature um is problematic because when you have items on top of one another depending on what um uh things are made out of uh it can be very difficult to understand what's in a bag right if you have lots of junk in your bag like i do i have, I have a laptop i have an ipad i have a cell phone i have keys i have all kinds of junk in there so for ai to distinguish all these different items uh it's very difficult in the beginning because um the more it sees the more it learns. So eventually it'll get better and better and better. But when something's first launched, at least my experience uh, with AI is it's very basic, right? You did what you could, you did all the different scenarios you could, you launch and then you come up with a new scenario and then a new scenario, a new scenario. So it's constant updating of AI technologies and building these signatures to understand what, what's in your bags uh, to automate it. So eventually I think it will work. Uh, if you go to other countries, um, Germany I think is one of the most advanced countries with AI. And the way they do security there, everything's automated pretty much. Uh, your bag goes in, it moves to one side. If it's bad, it moves to the other side. If it's good, you don't have to have a human pushing anything or, or moving it around. Um, 
So there's definitely, I think, a lot of things that we can uh, progress on and make better. And it's just a matter of time before a lot of these technologies really help us and it will make things faster in the end. So going back a little bit, um, backtracking to um, your, your, your product, where do you think besides, you know, entering, walking into the airport before you go through TSA or uh, security, um, do you think it's important to have that device before you walk on the airplane as well? Do you think that, that it's possible to get through places and still get on? If, if you had your, your devices at the airport, do you feel like it's 100% efficient that still no one's going to get on an airplane with a gun or a weapon? Yeah, I mean, you want the truth? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, if someone has, if someone has the, the ambition to get a gun on a plane, it, it's going to happen, right? Uh, why do I say that? Um, there's so many different entryways to airports that people don't even see, you know, behind a fence, you know, throw the gun over the fence. Um, it can happen, right? If someone wants to do it, there's food trucks that go up there, these food service companies, all these different types of companies that go into the airport, out of the airport. Um, can it happen? You know, you can take apart a gun, right? You can make it in five different pieces. There's fold up weapons. There's plastic weapons now that can't get detected. You know, so can it happen? Yeah, it, it can definitely happen. Um, how likely is it to happen? You know, you get someone crazy enough, it, it's going to happen, right? right. Um, there's a lot of mental health issues out there today because of social media. If you look at the statistics, you know, social media is a big cause of, of mental health issues out there today. So it, it's just getting worse and worse. And that's what we're seeing out there is shootings are happening, you know, younger and younger. Uh, I, I just can't believe it. You know, my, my uh, niece was in Philadelphia, 4th of July in Philadelphia, and there was a shooting, you know, there, and, and obviously, you know, about the one in Chicago. So, you know, there's, you know, any, if anyone wants something to happen, it can happen for sure. Yeah. The more security checks that are there, the better, of course. So if they can put them before you get on the plane, I think it would be very viable and make people feel safer. Um, and people will try less to, to make things happen like that, because if there's more security, it's going to be harder for them to get around it. Um, Jonathan Kimmett, who's not too far from you, he's the CISO down at the University of Tulsa. He said, sorry about coming in late, but where do you see the impacts to privacy on the AI collection of data on people? Sure. So we, as a company, like privacy. We want our, our, our customers and our customers' customers to stay private. So we don't network together all this information. Uh, we allow our customers to upload their database or a database on the internet into the system to detect people and, and, and for that, for, for problematic things. And I think states and, and cities that prevent uh, facial recognition and AI to happen, I think is a sin because you need these types of things for the police forces to, you know, keep people safe, right? Um, and it makes it a lot harder if you fight them on these processes and say, no, you can't do facial recognition in, in public areas. Um, is it a concern of privacy? You know, it's a battle. Safety and privacy is always a battle. So if it's implemented correct, it's still uh, private uh, and, and, and you're safe. So I think it's just a matter of how people implement these types of technologies. Um, and that, that's my answer, right? I mean, I, re I really feel strongly that you need it. And people that want to fight and you don't want to do facial and you don't want these types of technologies out there, you're only hurting society because it's, it's a lot harder for a human being to see 10,000 faces. And so, yeah, that's on the wanted list. It's impossible. Right, but a computer, you can load 10,000 faces into it and say, yes, that guy is an armed robbery. He has a warrant out for his arrest. Notify somebody, right? So computers make our lives easier, and people need to realize privacy over safety and really go for the safety aspect because my kids, um, I don't want them dying because, you know, they didn't recognize a, 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 a killer out there, and then they go shooting people. Um, that, that's my preference. I agree 100%. So when someone would walk through your device – your polls, um, what kind of data is it collecting? Just a photo or is it? Well, is... it only collects a photo if someone asks for it to collect a photo. So basically what happens is, let's say it's an airport, they would preload images into our system and our system will look for it, right? Or if someone's going through and they detect a weapon on somebody, they can save that person's face in our system and it'll look for that person the next time they try to come in. Uh, so that's the way the system works. We don't do any kind of saving unless the people operating the system ask to be saved. Hmm. So is it, if you're, is there like some sort of, you said that you have things that like can shut an elevator down or, you know, shut doors. 
again, I'm very intrigued with different ways that you're using this other than the airport. What other examples um, have sure. you seen effective? Sure. So uh, another example, I won't mention the company's name, uh, but basically people will scan a badge at a uh, entryway. They'll go through our system. So now we know who the person is. If they are found with a weapon, the door's locked, the elevator locks, and you can't go anywhere, right? It, there's nobody there. There's no security officer there. So it's all automated. It's called access control. And we can provide that type of service so people uh, don't enter a building um, with a weapon. That, that's the big thing. Access control is a real big thing. Uh, and you want that implemented if you want to save on manpower. So you have 20 entrances into a building. You're not going to be able to staff 20 entrances. It's just not going to happen. It's cost efficient. So maybe you have staff at like the two main entrances. Like a hospital will have staff at two main entrances. Uh, and all the other entrances can be access controlled. And each person has to go through the scanner before they're allowed entry into the building. You know, and we don't even know what's going to be next. I mean, we've seen horrible things. We've seen movie theaters. You know, we've seen July 4th. We, we, we haven't seen sporting events yet, or maybe we have, and I don't know about it. You know, we haven't seen big conventions yet. So how are we going to proactively, because we all go there, you know, the people on, you know, I'm in events, you know, that's what I do for a living. Yeah. So how do we, how do we protect ourselves for these large gatherings? just as a human being. Yeah, I will tell you, uh, a lot of event companies are contacting us because they want to scan each person coming into event. Uh, you know, the shooting in Vegas at the music event uh, was a big problem, obviously, killed a lot of people. Um, the Boston Marathon event, all these types of events need to be scanning people before they come into events at, when all possible to keep all the participants safe. And, and, and we're seeing an uptick in a lot of event companies. So I, it's coming. You know, it's just a matter of time before every event out there uh, will be um, secured as far as entryways into these events with these types of systems. Yeah. A lot of thoughts running in my mind right now as uh, an event planner that puts on events all the time. And we're a cybersecurity event, but you know, it's, it that does, definitely doesn't keep anybody safe. Um, Jonathan said, any thoughts to utilize drone technology for checking crowds? Sure. Um, there's, we actually came up with a drone a couple of years ago. I had a, a turret uh, on there with a stun gun, but um, legislation is out. You're not allowed to have an unmanned um, drone with uh, any kind of lethal um, uh, weaponized products on it. So, yeah, we, we're not doing that. Now, there are companies out there that do have drones that detect a weapon um, that's out in the open. Um, but as far as concealed weapons, you know, drones aren't able to do that yet, that kind of technology. We don't see that out there yet, um, but but using drones for security checkpoints um, and and just watching the area for people, I think, is a great idea. It gets rid of a security guard because what do the security guards really do? You know, they're out there watching people and they're, they're seeing if they're doing something wrong. So, yeah, I think robots are definitely a way to uh, manage uh, large areas um, and get rid of a security guard, and not have as many security guards. So, yeah, I, I definitely think drones are a good thing. Bob Wells commented, good point, Jonathan. New technologies inherently add attack surfaces such as APIs that hackers try to infiltrate. Thoughts? Sure thing. So that comes down to security, securing your, your, your online technologies or your IoT devices, which would be a drone. So, you know, you have to know what you're doing there. You want to secure access to that drone, obviously. Um, it's going to have Wi-Fi on it, so it's going to have an IP address and people are going to be able to get to it. So you just have to be, you know, firewalled up um, and make sure everything is secure and do your proper pen testing and make sure everything is good. Um, the biggest thing I see it public-wise for, for securing is separating networks, um, keeping, you know, all your IoT devices on one network and all your other folks on another network. So if you have a drone, you don't want it on a network that's going to be attached to other people using the Wi-Fi because then they can access it. So you really want to separate your networks, keep everything separate, so that way you have more control uh, and if you can't access a network, you really can't hack a device. So that, that's going to be very key in the future. And of course, you don't want people accessing USB ports on a device um, or any kind of uh, you know, I.O. ports on a drone. So you want to hide all of that on, on a drone. So what um, just going back to your devices again, what would you you know, besides the, the two bars, what are some of the other devices that you're using and, you know, that you're utilizing sure thing um 
So we're using visual light gun detection. What that means is your everyday cameras that are at a building or in a parking lot, uh, you can attach our system to it. So everything that that camera sees, we see. So if there's a gun in the open and that camera can see it, that means our technology can see it and alert on it. So that's one product and we call that the visual light gun detection product. And that can be installed on any camera anywhere in the world. And as long as it has that video feed RTSP connection, we can pull in that feed and, and detect weapons in that feed. Um, that's one. Two, of course, like I said before, you have the technology for temperature screening, so you can see people's temperatures. If they're high, you don't want them accessing your building, getting other people sick, no matter what the situation is there. And then three, of course, I said uh, that concealed weapons detection technology, that can also comes with facial. So as the person's walking through these poles, uh, we can detect their face. And if they're on a, a interested uh, person's list, we can notify the proper authorities that this person has entered the building when they should and uh, you know, take care of it. Uh, these poles are portable and they're waterproof. They're 25 pounds. They can move be moved for any event. So it makes it really convenient for everybody. Roughly, how much do these uh, poles cost? Sure thing. So the hardware itself is, is about $20,000. And then the software fee is about $600 a month. Okay. So so it's not, I mean, it, it's doable for, you know, medium-sized businesses that want to keep their employees safe and um hospitals schools that's Absolutely. that's tough you know schools it's tough you're, you're gonna have to have grants or you know how, how do you how do you you know again i guess you would have to get to the school boards to sell the school boards to try to fundraise to get these devices in the schools like what's your advice for the schools to try to get these products in their hands sure every school has a budget every school has parent councils um, and taxes and you know you just have to budget these types of things now there are government grants coming out obviously uh, Biden just signed something I don't know, I forget what it was like you know 500 billion dollars or something like that 500 million dollars uh, for schools to upgrade their security um, so I, I think money's coming for these schools it's just a matter of time the schools that do have a budget for it obviously I highly recommend that happening right away if you don't have a budget for it um, and you can't budget for it then wait for these grants that are about to happen or ask the schools um, and, and the people going to school and, and, the, and the parents to, to all chip in and, and get a system to keep their kids safe. I, I don't think there's a parent out there in the world that wouldn't provide a couple hundred dollars to help their kids stay safe at school. Jonathan, which is at a school at the University of Tulsa, said, are they standalone systems, no public network, et cetera? Good point. Uh, you can run it multiple ways. Uh, it could be totally off the grid and not connected to anything. Again, if you do that, you can't get alerts, of course, uh, on your cell phone and, and everyone will be alerted. So you have a couple different technologies that you can connect with. You can do Wi-Fi, you can do a cable, or you can do uh, a 5G uh, connections to stay off their networks. So it, it just depends on how the schools want to implement it. I, I see cabling all these up are is the best way, most secure way, uh, obviously, because Wi-Fi and 5G uh, could be interfered with or tampered with, um, and cables are less likely to be tampered with uh, from afar. So how do we, as a community, you know, spread the word that there are ways to help these schools out there, and what can we do to, because I'm sure that, you know, I'm in Missouri, you know, I doubt that the local school down the street knows about the, this kind of technology. Exactly. Um, go to your administrators at these schools and let them be aware that there's technologies out there that can help save these kids from harm. Uh, and they just have to be alert. A lot of these schools don't know. You know, we're trying to get the word out as fast as possible. We're going to different conferences, emailing all the different superintendents in, in the U.S., trying to make people aware of the technologies that's out there. Uh, so it's just a matter of, you know, talking to people and letting them know that the technology is there. They just have to uh, commit to it. And by doing that, you can go to, uh, uh, you know, athena-security.com. Uh, you can email us at info at athena-security.com, um, and we'll respond right away and, and help you out, or you can call us. Great. And, you know, going back to Jonathan, I know that he missed the first part of the show. Um, I would love to hear, you know, what the universities are. are have we seen, um, what have we seen in the last, you know, couple of years? Are we seeing anything happening at universities? Sure. Um, there's incidents that happen at universities. You don't hear about them as much because um, each in university is a you know public entity. So some choose to public publicize it. Some choose not to. Um, obviously, if there's incidents at a school, you know there's less people that are going to go to that school. <laughs> so um, you know not, it's not always publicized. There's always weapons at school. There's always people 
confiscating these weapons. Um, so it, the problem is everywhere. You know, guns are rampant in the U.S. It's not illegal to have a gun. Uh, some countries where it is illegal, you don't see these kinds of weapons everywhere. But in the U.S., you know, anyone can find a weapon, uh, a ghost weapon. Um, if you don't know what that is, you know, a ghost weapon doesn't have a serial number on it. And, uh, you know, these types of weapons can be fired without being traced. So it's a problem everywhere. You know, it's not just um, at universities or high schools or middle schools. It's, it's every single institution uh, has a problem today, uh, whether you're, you're a store, a Walmart in the world or a, a business or an institution. You know, we're, we're down to about three minutes until we have to wrap. But one comment I think that we are seeing is that this generation of you know, these high school kids, it's just a whole different generation because of the social media and because of the YouTube and because of the TikTok. And, you know, it's just rampant with, you know, what's going on on social media. So maybe the universities, I have a daughter that's, you know, five years older than my youngest daughter. And there are two different, two different worlds where social media has been and come. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think social media is a big problem. Um, with the, the, the kids growing up these days, you know, five minutes of fame, you know, people are doing, you know, all kinds of crazy things to get five minutes of fame out there. Right. And one of them is shooting people, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I, I think social media is a really big problem and, and parents need to limit, uh, I think, or teach their kids about what they should and should not be doing on social media. Um, and proper parenting, I think can help this in the future. Totally agree. So, um, Chris, and you said it's Chia, Chia, Chibera. Yeah, that's everyone pronounces it different. <laughs> well, Chris Chiavera, he's the co-founder of Athlena Security. Thank you so much for being on our show today and um, what you're doing to help this um, horrific thing that's happening in our nation. Keep up all your good work and thanks for what you're doing. And um, to everyone else out there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Security for All. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay secure, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at futureconhq. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.